Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. All right, so in this room, here, here's what I know. In this type of room, and, and, and there's different personalities, there's different types of people, there's different groups of people. And so, like, I know that if I wanted to, I could very quickly divide this room into two types of people. And so I, I'm, I'm going to do that real fast. And so here, here's the first thing. I know in this room we have dog lovers. Where are my dog lovers? Any dog lovers in the room? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I know we have some cat lovers. Any cat lovers in the room? Okay, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're the crazy, lonely people. I get it. I, I love you, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm glad you're here. I can, I can divide this room a little bit more. Let's go. Where are my, oh, I hate doing this. Where are my OU people at? We have OU people in the room. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exodus idolatry. Uh, where, where's my OSU people at? Any of those people? Yeah. It's odd how worship is so low, but when we talk about OU, we get so high. Um, I'm divided even more. Um, country music is a divider for people. George Strait people in the room, okay? Yeah. Then there's Garth Brooks people in the room here today. And there's even a divide there on like who is, what's country and what's not country. I'm just telling you, I know that there's a divide in this, in this room. There's different types of personalities. We have type A people. We have type B people. We have Enneagram 3s that slide into Enneagram 9. We have all those types of people in the room. We have Democrats in this room. We have Republicans in this room. We have people in this room that brush their teeth once a day. And then we have people in this room that brush their teeth all the time. In the second service, I'm going to add a third little section of, for the teenagers that will be in here, of people who don't brush their teeth at all. Like, that's, that's, a, that's, a, big part, that's a big part of it. But I'm going to say, I think one of the biggest divides that we could find in this room, and I don't want to be divisive, but one of the biggest divides that we can find in this room is there are two types of people in here today, and I know this is true. And you can say, well, I'm, I'm kind of both. No, you're, you're, one, you're one or the other. It's the type of people that when it's vacation time, when it's getting ready to get vacation and, and you've, you've booked your trip and you know where you're going and, and you know what you're doing and you're going to take a weekend or, or a work trip or whatever that looks like, there's two types of people in this room. There, there's the type of person who, who they get their bag and they pack it up three to four days ahead of the vacation. Where are those people at? Where are those people at? You're like, you are, you're detailed and ready. Okay. And then the other type of people in this room are the people who pack their bags three to four hours before the trip. Where are those people at? Yeah, yeah, that's right. If I'm honest, I'm a, I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible vacation hack person. Like, I, I'm not good at packing stuff. Like, I, I grab my toothbrush, I grab my jeans, and then I'll figure the rest of, out as I go, okay? When I get there, I'll just go and figure out what I need to do. I'm going to say this, though. My wife is a little bit of an overpacker, okay? Like, she goes nuts whenever it time whenever it's time for us to pack so like if and, and i don't know how the math works on this but like if she knows that we're going to be gone for four days she packs for seven years all right like we're going to be out of out of the house for about seven years like i think in a lot of times her mindset is she opens up her closet and she says wait i have not worn this since i bought it but i know i'm going to wear it a hundred times on this trip so i need to take it with me i know like that's that's part of her that's part of her mindset and like i said i'm not a very good Packer by any stretch, but I do miss the good old days like in my early 20s when everything seemed a little bit more simple uh, Actually, Neil one of our elders Neil and I we lived together in Berry Hill Which is when I think God was punishing me for my life, but we, we lived together 
in Berry Hill, and we lived in a trailer. And there's nothing wrong with living in a trailer. Don't hear that. But there was something wrong with this trailer. And by something, everything was wrong with this trailer. And we lived in this place. And, and I don't know if you know or not, but in, in a trailer, probably the worst place you can be in a tornado is a trailer, right? And if you're in Oklahoma, you know that you hear those tornado sirens all the time. And so it was one night we were sitting and it was in the middle of the night, actually, I think we were both sleeping, and, and again, it was early 20s, so we were sleeping on futons, and uh, as, we were, as we were there, I heard the tornado sirens go off. I think, oh, uh-oh, okay, so, so I get up, and I go get Neil, and I say, hey, man, we gotta, like, we gotta go, which I just learned is not, like, the best thing to do. I thought you were supposed to run away from tornadoes. I guess that's bad, and so I got Neil up and said, hey, we gotta, we gotta go, and, and the best thing about my early 20s was when I needed to leave, if I had to flee a place, if I had to, to remove myself from a place, I could pack in 3.2 seconds, all right? That, like, I didn't have anything, all right? I would grab my wrestling DVDs, I'd grab my laptop, and I was in my car, and I was on the way out. That was, that's the way it was, and it was awesome. Now, as I've, as I've gotten older and into my 30s, things have changed a little bit. See, I, I, I think about today, if I was in that same situation things would change so like if those tornado sirens are going off and I'm about to leave I got to get out of the house there's a lot more stuff I have to grab right I have to go grab you know, I have to get moo all right I have to go get some clothes I have to, I'm getting my wrestling DVDs I'd probably have to wake Cassie up at some point I would get everything like I would get whatever I needed to get out of the house it's different and, and as I've gotten older I have understood and realized the importance of a really 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 good suitcase of a really really good bag a couple months ago, Cassie and I went and did a wedding in Atlanta, and we were going through an Atlanta airport. One thing about my wife that I love, and I hope you guys don't ever hear me insulting my wife, but I am, and, but one of the things that I've learned is she holds on to things a lot, and one of the things she's held on to since she was a teenager was this big orange suitcase, and this orange suitcase is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life, okay? The wheels are all messed up, and it's one of those suitcases that doesn't have one of these handles on it, right? And so, and it sits so low to the ground that if you want to roll it, it has wheels, but if you have to roll it, you have to roll it like this, okay? So, so you've thrown your back out at this point, your back's spasming, you're sweating because you're fat like me, and then you're just trying to get through the airport. But then you're like, well, I'm just, it's going to be easier if I pick it up. But again, I want to go back into in time and realize that Cassie packed seven years of clothes in one suitcase, and so now your arm's falling up. It, it's, it's nuts. And so you want a good suitcase, and this is actually Pastor Will's suitcase, but I did an executive decision and say this is mine now for the rest of my life because it's way better than the suitcase we have. One of the things that you notice is that you have these little bags, and, and they, they roll fine. They get through airports fine. They go wherever they need to go really, really easily. And it makes me sit there and think about my own life. And it makes me sit there and think about the things in my life, the things that we have, that we carry around with us. Like, I don't know if you know, whatever you walked in this door with today, whatever you came to church with today, we're holding things. We have things in our life that we're holding on to. Some things that are good, some great memories, some awesome things, some great experiences, but we also hold on to things that are, that are tough. We also have the, those, those emotional baggage that we just have, that they just kind of weigh us down. I guess, really, today, what I want to talk about is what are those things that are holding us back? What are those things that we're holding on to that are just dragging us down in your life? It's easy to come and hear a sermon and walk out the door, but what are those things that hold you back in your life? I, I think a lot of times anxiety can hold people back. Stress can hold people back. Self-hate, self-doubt, fear. What are those things that hold you back? In Luke chapter 9, that's where we're going to go to 
today. In Luke chapter 9, we're just going to talk real fast about what Jesus said to his disciples. This is an incredible story, and it's kind of an obscure verse, actually, but it really is important to what we want to talk about today. So you guys with me right now? Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it says this. Summoning the twelve, he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Twelve, those are his disciples. By the way, there's twelve tribes of Israel. Twelve is a big number in the Bible. Twelve represents authority and government in the Bible. It's a really, it's, there, there's an importance there to it. But he got his twelve disciples, he pulled them together, and he said, I'm giving you authority over powers and demons and everything else around you. Verse 2, then he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse 3, he tells them, take nothing for the road. Don't take a staff, don't take a traveling bag, don't take bread, don't take money, don't take any extra shirts. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. If they do not welcome you when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Jesus sends his disciples into the world to heal and to preach the gospel. But he also tells them, hey, when you go, you got all you need with you. Don't, don't take anything else with you. When you go, don't take your bag. When you go, don't take your staff. When you go, don't take extra clothes. You, you just go. And there's an Anglican pastor, Dr. Farrer, and he says the general spirit of this instruction, of this scripture, is to go forth in the simplest, humblest way with no hindrance to your movements and in perfect faith. I love that. Go forth in the simplest, humblest manner with no hindrance to your movements and in perfect faith. So if the call of the disciples is to move forward without any hindrance in their life, the question again is, what are you holding on to that's holding you back? What are you grabbing a hold of that's holding you back? Negative feedback loops, maybe it's some paranoia, maybe it's a distortion of reality that you have in your head. What are those things, what are those bags, what are those emotional baggage things that you're carrying that are holding you back? I just have a couple ideas. There's a ton of them. But here are a couple of them that I want to talk about today. N number one, you have your notes. We're going to just put it in here. It's, it's, some of us are holding on to bags of pride. Bags of pride. A couple years ago, I went on a, on a double date. This was before Cassie, and it was, uh, it was a trip that we went to. We, we were going to go watch a concert, and we went to Mexicali in downtown. And I was really, really trying hard to impress this young lady. I was really trying hard to, to like look cool and look awesome and look like I had everything together. I'm just gonna be honest, some of you already think, man, he is awesome, but, I, but I'm not. Um, I, I play video games and watch pro wrestling most of the time, and so it, that doesn't really factor into the cool side of things. And so we're sitting there on this double date, and I'm trying to be cool and look awesome, and I didn't realize why when I picked her up in a 1988 Honda Prelude, that didn't convince her that I was awesome, but, um, <laughs> But I, I took her to Mexicali, and we sat down, and the, the, we got our food and everything, and the waiter came up, and he gave me the ticket and he, and he, you know, for the table. And I thought, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look really cool here. So I pulled my wallet out, and I'm going to pay for the whole table. But I want to, like, I want to look awesome while I do it. So I, I get my money. I open up my wallet. don't look at my wallet. I just grab what I thought was a $100 bill, and, and, and I hand it to the, the waiter and say, keep the change, bud. Sweet, easy, cool move, right? Like, I, I look awesome. I'm super rich. Right? I, I, look, I, look, I look awesome there. What I didn't realize is that wasn't a $100 bill, okay? And what it was was a $10 bill. And what ended up happening was the waiter, who I figured would be cool and compassionate to my plight, came up laughing at me and in front of the whole table said, Sir, that ain't going to do it, all right? And I thought, what, what, what do you mean, bud? And he shows me the $10. It's like, oh, okay. 
dang, this isn't good. And so I have to figure out something. I, I pull out a, a credit card and I, and I pay for it right there. But I'm just going to tell you, that's a moment where it crushes you, right? That's a moment where, okay, as much as you want to look cool, it doesn't really, you can't really handle yourself after the waiter just laughs at you for not having enough money. My question to you today is your bag, maybe the bag of pride. Is that something that you're carrying? Are you the person that believes inside of your heart? Maybe you wouldn't say it because these people don't say it, but you're the kind of person that believes, man, I'm just a really good self-made person. I've done it all myself. I've taken care of myself. I'm the best father. I'm the best mother. Like no one can touch me. Like I do it all the best. People need to listen to me. I, I need to be the one that people hear because I have all the best ideas. But at the end of the day, when you look around, you don't really have a lot of friends. Like when you look around, there's not a lot of respect given to your name. When you look around, there's not a lot of people who are really wanting your advice. See, I know a lot of people who have a lot of big opinions, and I could be this person. But after a while, when they say them, they just kind of become an eye roll. You know what I'm talking about? That person that when they talk, they're like, oh, there they go again. That, that's what I don't want to happen for you, and that's what I don't want to happen for me. Pride is not giving the glory to God for all that you have in your life. If you go into the Old Testament, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he, he enslaved the people of Israel. He, he pulled them into captivity. And he believed that he did that. But the Bible tells us that God gave them to Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't anything that he did. He took it and said, I'm an awesome king. I've got it all together. They need to come under me because I'm so powerful. But God gave it to him. And as he took the glory for it, God took his place. Pride is not giving the glory to God for all that you have in your life. If we're not careful, it's our intellect. It's our hard work. It's our mindset. It's our good work ethic that put us in the place that we are in. And don't get me wrong. You need to work hard. Don't get me wrong. You need to be the person that does all the things that God's called you to do. But when you make it seem like it's all you that's done that, that's giving the glory to yourself and not to God. Amen? I love 1 Corinthians 15, 10. It says like this, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but on the contrary, I worked harder. So just keep that in mind. Because of God's grace, I'm going to work harder. Because of all that he's done for me, I'm going to keep going. But on the contrary, I work harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Examine your own life. Because the bags of pride, a lot of times, because we're so prideful, we don't really see it. Examine your life. Look at your life. Look at the things that you give glory to and see how much of it goes to the Lord. See how much of it really you believe in goes to the Lord. I, I did an exercise this last week about writing out the timeline of my life. <clears throat> and it's easy when you look at your life to say, man, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. But what if you wrote out the timeline of your life and you realized how much God's grace really helped you in the middle of all of it, amen? But how much God's grace really did something in your life where God showed up when you didn't think he was gonna show up. I, I think about my, my own timeline. I think about where I was in my life. Before I was born, I had an Indian Methodist pastor as a grandpa. And he prayed over my mom, and he prayed that my mom would have a son who was a God-fearing and a heavy, crazy preacher. That's what he prayed for, okay? That wasn't what I wanted. That's what he prayed for. And by God's grace, he's helped some of those things happen. I was born into a single mom's household, right? My dad was an alcoholic. He was gone out of the picture. There's no reason for me to go to church. There's no reason for me to get connected to anything like that. But God gave me two great-grandmas. 
God gave me two grandmas who prayed for me over and over and over and said, I hope that he would grow into, a, be, grow into a man of God. Those were people who prayed over me, not me. I didn't take credit for that. That's not, that's not me. I get into a wrong crowd. But in ninth grade, out of sheer randomness, at the ninth grade center, I get put in a choir class, okay? If you've ever sat next to me on a Sunday morning, you know I don't need to be in a choir class at all. It's, it's awful. But I get put in a choir class, and I sit there and think, what, why am I in this class? But it was for one reason, because there was a girl that was in that class that said, hey, Matt, why don't you come to church with me? That's not random. That's God, right? And then I, I hear that invitation to go to church and think, okay, well, yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll see what this is like. I go into this church, and I realize that, hey, there are people who are actually, they're, they're not really stuck up. They're not people who think that they're looking down on me. They're actually people like me. There are people who actually have real lives, and I get to know them, and then I go sit in a room with the pastor, and he leads me to the Lord. When I didn't want to be led to the Lord, when I had no reason to be led to the Lord, then I, I just live through my life, and I sit in this youth ministry, this student ministry, when our pastor was my youth pastor, and he's preaching out in that pole barn, and I still remember it vividly to this day. I remember sitting in the chair, and Brent's preaching, and he has this Garth Brooks mic on his face, and he's preaching hard, and, and he's saying, hey, you're called in the ministry, and there was 50 other kids in that room, but that message was just for, for me for that moment. I didn't tell Brent to preach that message. That was God's glory. That was God's plan in his life to give me that message and to hear that, mess, that, that message. Fast forward a couple of years down the line. I meet the most beautiful girl in the entire world named Cassie, and I get to marry her, and I get to believe that we have a big ministry ahead of us in our life. And then God puts in my heart through our marriage that there's going to come a day where I'm going to be able to have my own kids. And when I get to have my own kids, I'm not going to live like my dad lived. I'm not going to be an alcoholic like my dad did. I'm not going to walk away like my dad did. I'm going to live a life of God godly standards and I'm going to raise up children in a way that God's called me to raise up children he surrounded me with people like you that can help me in that because we're a family here together he let me be a pastor of a church one of the pastors of a church that I believe is the greatest church in the world so I can serve you that's not me I did none of that that's all God's glory and I'm asking you to look at the timeline of your life and say that wasn't me that did that that wasn't my work that wasn't my work ethic that wasn't my intellect it was God's glory that put me where I am and it's God's glory that's going to keep me where I am it's God who promotes not you it's God who puts you in places it's not you maybe in your whole life you've been stuck in a box maybe you've been labeled your whole life you've been looked over you've been demoted I just let you know that God will tell you it's not man that promotes it's, it's God and path to promotion comes at the end your pride number two let's keep going you guys with me right now we still good there's bags of bitterness in our life bags of bitterness last year around December I I got COVID and one of the the things about COVID was uh, you know you I lost my sense of smell and my sense of taste and a lot of people said now nah, that's awesome that you lost your taste you, maybe maybe that'll be easier for your diet and I thought well first off I hate you and then then <laughs> And then second off, I still eat like I can taste everything. And so it didn't really help me at all. But it's been since December that I still haven't been able to taste anything. I still haven't been able to smell anything, which is great, by the way, because I'm about to go to camp and kids smell bad. And so that's great. But the, the taste thing has been weird. I have little bits of taste. I have little kind of versions of it. But everything tastes off. And, and truly, everything tastes really, really bitter. Uh, I love... I love going to Mexican restaurants and, and getting chips and salsa, 
but it tastes bitter and gross. I, I, I love, I love sweet tea, okay? But it's bitter now, completely, and gross. It's a weird feeling that I have. And, and what I know about a lot of us in this room and, and a lot of times in my own life, a lot of us, some of the bags that we carry are just bitterness, offense, things that people have done to us, things that people have hurt us with. And, and a lot of times, by the way, it's people that didn't mean to do that. A lot of times it's people who did. Hebrews chapter 12 says like this, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Bitterness spreads like a wildfire. You know those people that they, they circle up and when they're mad about something, they want to get everyone else mad about it. They want to gather an army. That's what he's talking about. Bitterness spreads. Uh, my, my big push to you today is refuse bitterness. Forgive often. Don't hold on to what they did to you. It's over. Keep moving. Keep pressing forward. Don't nurture anger. Don't live in cursing. Don't play with bitterness because it will destroy your life. Amen? Number three. Right, let's, let's back up. The Bible tells us that freely we've been given forgiveness. Freely you've been forgiven. And so freely give. You know what I wish for our church? And I think we're there in a lot of ways. But what I wish big time for our church is that we would be known as a forgiving church. That you and I would realize that we've been forgiven of so much that how can we not go through life forgiving other people? And I know it's easy to sit there and say, well, Matt, you don't know my story. Matt, you don't realize what they did to me, and I don't realize what they did to you, and I'm so sorry for what happened to you, but I do know this. I know what God did for you, and I know what he can still do through you, but a heart that's, bit, that's eaten up with bitterness, God doesn't use that. Freely, it's been given to you, and so freely give. If the very Son of God, the only begotten, sinless Savior, can be beaten and put on a cross for six hours, suffocating in his own blood. And the last final words that he says in that last kind of part of his life, it says, Father, forgive them. Then maybe, maybe I can forgive people too. Maybe I can let go of some things. Because you know what? I, I talked to a lady just this week that said, man, it's been 50 years since I was able to forgive somebody, but it felt so good when I did it. What if that was us say, what if we could walk through life and say, I know you hurt my feelings, but man, I forgive you. I know you hurt me, but man, I'm good. We're good. Let's not worry about it anymore. What if we were a church that forgave? Forgiven people forgive people. Number three, let's keep going. The last one's a bag of comparison. And Kelly, if you could come up here and make me sound a little bit spiritual, that'd be awesome right here. Probably next to air conditioning, I think air conditioning is probably the greatest invention in all of the world, right? Um, I know there's light and all that other stuff, but, uh, but air conditioning is right there for me, right? Probably next to air conditioning, probably the greatest invention to me is on Facebook or social media, that little unfollow button. You know what I'm talking about? Like when I'm so tired of hearing your stuff, boom, unfollow. Okay? Maybe the most freeing day of my life is when I unfollowed Charles Moore. In my, no, I'm just kidding. That button helps you to get people's stuff off of your feed. Helps you to get away from what people think about you. It helps you to get away from the things that you don't want to see. And, that, and that's a really good thing because you know on social media it, it draws you into comparisons. And, and we've talked comparison a hundred thousand times. 
but comparison will never do for you what God wants to do in your life. Second Peter 1 says like this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm, confirm. He's saying, live out your faith, live out your faith so we know, okay? It's not easy just coming to church saying, hey, I believe in Jesus, but then going and living like everyone else in the world. He's saying, confirm your faith. Confirm your calling and your election. Those are two things. There's a calling on your life. I want you to get this, because Brent said this to me when I was a student ministry, and I need someone else to hear today. There's a calling on your life. And that calling, by the way, is not negated by what someone said about you. It's not negated by what someone did to you. There's a calling on your life ordained to you by the very God of the universe that controls everything around us. And you believe that someone can say something bad about you and that negates it, there's no chance. We have a God who says that the heavens are my seat, the earth is my footstool. Why would a person's opinion matter to your life? That was something. Calling and election. You have a calling on your life and your election is that you're in the family of God. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. I want you to also hear right here, it said, hey, confirm Kelly's calling. Confirm Kenny's calling. Confirm Will's calling. It said, yours. Translation, what does that mean? It means this right there. Your life. Live your life. Pastor Prince says all the time, run your race. You don't have to run anyone else's race. By the way, if you run someone else's race, you're going to fall. Run your race. I've known so many people, and in the ministry context, I've known so many pastors that want to be every pastor on YouTube. I want to confirm my calling. I want to confirm what God's called me to do. You know why? Because you guys, every single person here, you matter to me. And I, and I believe I matter to you. And God didn't give me people in Alabama. God didn't give us people in Texas. He gave us these people here in Sand Springs. And we believe that we're a family here together. And so my calling is to you. Your calling is to me. We're in this together. I don't want to be anywhere else. I want to be here together. Why we do serve day isn't because we want to get out there and put red shirts and get on social media. It's not that at all. It's because this is my city and this is my responsibility. And God's called me here and God's called you here and God's called us to Berry Hill. God forbid, God's called us there and we're going to do what God's called us to do. Amen? How much longer are you going to live in someone else's purpose? How much longer are you going to strive and push and try to be everyone else? who God's called you to be. Comparison always steals your confidence and it always steals your contentment. How about this morning? You make a promise that you're not gonna live held back by comparison, but you get held up by purpose. God has a purpose for your life. There's teenagers do a color war so we can get teenagers into the room so they can believe that God's called them that when school starts back in August they can go into their school system because I want you to know something real fast the education system it's awesome but it's it's not going to bring your kids to Jesus okay it's those teenagers that come here on a Wednesday night and say I want to know him more it's those that can be the missionaries God's called you to your to your office God's called you wherever you go because you're the mission you're the missionary. So go. Don't be everyone else. So what do, what, what do we do with all this? So three bags there. What, what do we do with this? And there's tons of other bags. Tons and tons of other ones. You have other ones in your mind. But I was reading my quiet time just this week, John chapter 5. And you've probably heard the story. You all know this story. There's a man who's been crippled for 38 years. For 38 years he's crippled laying down by this pool. 
pool of Bethsaida. And legend would tell them that an angel would come into the pool and he would put his finger in the pool and it would bring healing powers. It's this crazy story. And for 38 years, this man was crippled, couldn't move, couldn't walk, couldn't do anything. He was laying down. And a bunch of the crippled people, a bunch of the lame people, a bunch of the blind people, they'd gather around this pool hoping that if they could just get to the pool, they'd be healed. For 38 years, he saw families get into the water. 38 years, he saw people get into the water. For 38 years, he was overlooked. For 38 years, he was beat down. For 38 years, he didn't get what God wanted him to get. You think that'd leave you angry? Really, I mean, do you think that'd leave you bitter? You think that'd leave you in a place where you didn't know if God even really loved you? In that time period, people that were crippled, they would say, well, they, you're crippled because of what your father did to you. You're crippled because of sin in your life. You're crippled because of all the things that have happened to you. You're crippled because of the bad stuff in your life. And Jesus walks up to him. Jesus doesn't walk up to him and say, hey, get up, you're good. He didn't say that. He walks up to him and he says, he asked him a question actually, he says, do you want to get well? I, I sit there and think, well, okay, of all the things that Jesus could have done, he walks up to this man who's been sitting here waiting for a miracle, sitting here waiting for his life to get put back together, and instead of just healing him, he says, do you want to get well? Like, are you in the point where you want to get there? You know why he asked? Because some of us don't want to get well. Some of us don't really care about that. Some of us want to keep blaming everyone else. Some of us are more comfortable living in self-hate, self-doubt, and blaming our husbands and blaming our wives. Some of us want to live there because it's a little bit more comfortable than doing what God's called us to do. For a lot of us, what's holding us back is actually what's holding us up. We like to live in the misery. Comes a man and says, do you want to be made well? My question to you is, do you want to be made well? Like really, do you want God to move in your life? Do you really want him to do something? The, the man tells Jesus, I don't have anyone. I've seen people get ahead of me and get in the water. I've crawled down there, I've tried to get there, but no one, no one, I couldn't get in there. No one helped me. Blame me, pushing to everyone else. No one cares for me, no one, no one believes in me. And I love this about Jesus. Jesus didn't even listen to his excuse. He passed over that excuse and he said this. Rise up. Pick up your mat. And walk. I guess my call to you today is. Maybe it's time to stand up. Pick up your mat. And walk. You have two choices today. You can, you can hold on to those bags. You can or you can move on. There's gonna come a time in your life oh, where you just get tired of being tired. And you can look in the mirror and pick up the mat with all the good, the bad, and the ugly, all the things that have hurt you, and start to move on. What if today we decided that what someone did to us is a lot smaller than what God did for us? The Bible tells us that it says that he was immediately healed. In an instant, he was healed. And it doesn't say that he had to learn how to walk again. He had to learn how to, it doesn't say that at all. What it says is that everything came together 
This is a picture of salvation. That when you give your faith and your trust to Jesus, immediately, in that moment, everything changes. When you say, God, I need you. God, forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. Immediately, it's over. The Bible tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation. Key word there, by the way, now. There is now no. Right now, present time. It's easy for us to sit here and say, man, I'm so glad that God forgave me of all the things I did in 1988. Okay, but what about how God forgave you for the things you did just this morning? God's forgiven you of all your past sins. But he's also forgiven you of your present sins. You want to know what's crazy? He's also forgiven you of all your future sins. And some of you right now even sit there and think, no, I don't think that's right. That's why the gospel is so scandalous. Is that the Bible tells us that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I would become the righteousness of God. That God doesn't look at you as some broke down sinner. God looks at you as the righteousness of God. And that's a standard that we live up to. Immediately he was healed. Immediately. In your life, I believe God can bring an immediately moment to you. That he can move you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That you can go from not being a part of the family to being a part of the family. So today, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, you and I, just for a moment here. If you're sitting here, you're saying, man, I need that moment. I don't know Jesus. Or maybe I went to, maybe I do know him. Maybe I, I thought I knew him, but I realize, I realize I don't. That's you here today. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. You can pray it out loud. Pray in your head. But here's what I know about the gospel. Jesus died on a cross for you. He took the punishment of sin on himself so that you wouldn't have to bear it anymore. And that if you just believe in him, if you go to him, he can forgive you, heal you, and make you completely whole. So here's the prayer. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, here's the prayer. Father God, I pray today that you would help me turn from my ways. Forgive me of my sins. I pray, God, that you would just help me to put down these bags in my life. God, I pray and believe that you are the only begotten Son of God, that you died on a cross and you were raised from the dead. I'm trusting you this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen. With everyone's head down. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.